0: Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, today, if you haven't noticed by our table up here, we are going to be taking the Lord's Supper. I do know that we have some visitors and some guests here this morning, and so I just wanted to make it known that if you consider yourself a Christian, uh, that's the only requirement we can we have for you to partake in the Lord's Supper with us, so you don't have to be a church member here at Crosspoint in order to um, celebrate communion. Uh, just wanted to make that kind of a out there and open, so nobody was confused or thought for some reason maybe you couldn't. Okay, but uh, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture today, and it is the story in which Jesus really introduces the idea of the Lord's Supper that we see in churches all across the world. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 26. Uh, We're going to start in verse 17, and I'm going to read all the way down to 29, So it's a little bit uh, of a passage. Uh, Hang in there with me. Um, But like I said, this is one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture, and we'll talk about why in just a moment. But it says, Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he reclined at the table with the twelve. And as he, they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful, and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, "Is it I, Rabbi?" and he said to him, "You have said so." Now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, "Take, eat; this is my body." And he took the cup and when he had given thanks to them, saying, "Drink it, drink of it, all of you; for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins." I tell you that you will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Now, as I said before I started reading that, felt like forever ago, right? This story is one of my favorites. And the reason that it's one of my favorites in all of Scripture is because the humanity of Jesus really presents itself in spite of his deity, right? In this passage, we see that while, yes, Jesus is fully God, he is also fully man. He is the Son of God, and after his baptism, as we saw in Matthew three sixteen and 17, which states, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him, and behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. You see, Jesus has God's spirit, and by all accounts, he has the authority of God as well. But in this story of the Lord's Supper, he shows his humanity. He shows his humanity, and we'll dig in a little deeper, but Jesus begins by instructing Peter and John. In the passage we read, it says the disciples, but if you read in the account in Luke chapter 22, verse 8, it shows us that he tells Peter and John to go and, and find a private place. He gives them a specific man to seek out and to say, hey, we are going to share the Passover feast in your home um, if you'll have us, the man clearly, Jesus clearly in that moment knew that the man was going to be accepting, having sent them to a specific person, and that man does accept, and that's where they share the feast together. Now, he recognizes, being fully God, that the end is very near, okay? The time for his purpose, his, his full purpose to be fulfilled on earth is, is now, right? And he says, tell him, tell him that my time has come. My time has come. And what I find in this passage so beautiful about what we see in Jesus' humanity is that as he is approaching the very, very near end of his life, his very last moments, days on earth, he decides to share a feast with those that he loves the most. He decides to have the Passover meal with his disciples with those that he has been living life with daily and that he has been teaching and instructing and, and fellowshipping with daily. There are so many other occasions in scripture where Jesus has a meal and shares a meal and it's open to all who can come, right? And and there's crowds and there's masses and, and there's people just trying to force their way into the building. But this is one of the few times in scripture because there are other instances where Jesus kind of really seeks seclusion, And usually when he seeks seclusion, he sends his disciples off, right? You go off a ways, I'm going to go find some time to pray, and I will meet back up with you. But in this moment, he brings them along. He brings them along. And I think that he makes this decision to celebrate and to honor those that are closest to him, but also to help kind of start this final teaching and instruction for them, as he knows that he is about to depart from this earth, and that they are going to need to continue on without him. Now, knowing um, his disciples are still not wholly aware of what is going to take place, he he starts to kind of try to let them know what's going to take place, and he talks about the betrayal that's happening. But before we get there, what I want us to understand about the Lord's Supper, and I feel very strongly about this, is that this isn't a meal for everyone. And these aren't instructions for everyone. The Last Supper is for His followers, those who have committed their lives to Him. And so it is for everyone who has made that choice It is for everyone who has made that decision, who has said that I will turn my will over for the will of the Son and in doing so the will of the Father. It is for everyone who has made Him their personal Lord and Savior. It is for everyone who has committed to putting Him first, okay? That's specifically when we get to the part Of the Lord's Supper, where he's sharing the bread and he says, Take this, it is my broken body, eat, drink this wine, it is the blood that is spilled for sins. Okay, but we see something else that happens before that. And in seeing that, we see what I think is Jesus' deity, the grace that could only come from a heavenly being. So let's look back at verses 21 through 25. It says, as they were eating, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. Okay, so this is Jesus' words after they've already kind of shared part of the meal. And and he's sitting back and other passages tell you that he becomes troubled and he just kind of can't hold it in anymore. And he, he just wants to bring light to what's about to take place. And he says, truly one of you will betray me. And they all become very sorrowful. It says all of them. And they began to say to him one after another, is it I, Lord? And he answered, listen to this. Jesus answered, it's the one who shared this meal with me. But, but more than that, not just the one that shared this meal with me, the one who dipped his hand in my bowl. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that's pretty intimate. I don't, a lot of, I don't let a lot of people stick their hands in my food. <laughs> okay? I just don't. I kind of have a rule against that, in fact. Get your hand away. Okay? My wife's always like, hey, can I try some of that? And I'm like, you should have ordered it. No. Right? (laughs) If you wanted it, order it next time. She's like, you're so mean. I'm like, whatever. It's my food. (laughs) Right? But Jesus in this moment shows that he is about to be betrayed by somebody that he has a real intimate relationship with. It says, the son of man goes as it is written of him, right? It's already been prophesied about. We, we knew what was going to happen to Jesus. Now, they didn't maybe understand that it was specifically about Jesus and, and his disciples didn't possibly understand exactly what the that that prophecy kind of meant about Jesus. But he wanted to make it clear that the son of man was going to be betrayed but then he says but woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed it would have been better for that man if he had not been born Judas now listen to this because this is one of those moments where if I'm Jesus this really grinds my gears not only have you had your hand in my bowl and I like let you do that right but then you have the audacity when you already have the money in your pocket we know that from from some of the other accounts of this passage and Judas actually says is it I rabbi and I, if, as if he didn't know that Jesus was Jesus, as if he didn't know that Jesus would be like, uh, yeah, dummy, of course it's you. Like, you have the money in your pocket. You, you know it's you. Now, he's a lot kinder than that, but he says, Is it I, Rabbi, and Jesus said to him, you have said so. You have said so. Where do we see the deity, the gift of grace that I think only a heavenly figure could really bestow on somebody? In the delivery of this bad news, it, it's in this moment that we need to understand that when Jesus delivers this bad news, that one in their ranks, one that has shared life with them, one that has been with them on the daily, one that has has seen the miracles of Jesus, has seen with his own eyes what Jesus is and and, and Jesus's character and how he has literally changed lives. There's this one that will betray him and. As I told you, he's already taken the money and sorrow starts to fill this room and, and Judas has the audacity to say, is it me? And Jesus is direct, like Jesus is so often in his ministry. He's not cruel. He doesn't seek to punish Judas. He just says, you said so, right? Is it I? Hey, you've already made that choice, right? You've made that decision. And we see Jesus's words in in. in John, right? In the gospel of John, he actually tells Judas what you had decided to do, go and do quickly, right? Hurry up with it. Like get on with it. You've already made your choice. You already have the money. We know what you're going to do. You're going to betray me. So off you go, right? Just go do it. Not cruel. Just, Hey, go about your business. This is the decision that you've made. And in the gospel of John, if you read that account, you see that the disciples and John makes it really clear that the disciples didn't realize what was happening, right? Because he talks about how Judas had this bag of money and that was kind of Judas's job in the 12 is that he looked after the funds and so they thought it was just the funds that he would have had. And so when Jesus tells them to go and do what you would do quickly, they think he's saying, hey, go go buy supplies, more supplies for, for the celebration of the Passover or go give money to the poor. They thought it was one of those options. They didn't know that he was sending Jesus to to betray or he was sending Judas to betray him. Right. And, and the reason I feel like John wants to make that clear is because John and and Peter and some others in that group, they, they were a little bit of a fighter, you know, they're, they're going to fight. So if they would have known, right, that Judas was on their way to do that, I really don't think Judas would have got out of that room. I just don't. I mean, we see when they come to take Jesus later, when the the soldiers come to take Jesus, what does Peter do? Peter cuts an ear off, right? So like he's a fighter. He's not just going to sit back and and let it happen. But they they were unaware of what they thought was going to take place. Now, Jesus knew Judas. He knew him. He knew him. If you're married or if you have children or if you've ever really been in a long-term relationship Friendship, brotherhood, sisterhood. What, I mean, think, you really know a person, right? You kind of know what makes them tick. You know when they say they're okay, but they're not really okay. Like, you know all the things, right? But Jesus was God. And so like, he really knew all the things. He knew Judas. He knew Judas's heart. He was aware of, Already, before the meal had started, what Judas had done. And yet he still fed Judas. He still fed Judas. Now, I'm not sure. I I really don't think that Judas was there when they, they participated in what we would call the Lord's Supper. But the meal leading up to that point, Judas was a part of. He fed Judas. He held his bowl out for Judas so that Judas could dip his hands in there and have something to eat. He fed and filled his belly. Now, that's a level of personal, and that's a level of grace that I personally cannot comprehend. I don't understand. I look at Jesus, and not accusingly, but I think, how could you? And if I ever get to have a conversation with Jesus, like I know I'm going to heaven, I know Jesus will be there, but I don't know if I'm ever going to get to be like, hey, Jesus, let's have a chat, right? If I ever get to have a conversation with Jesus, I want to ask him that question. How did you manage to do that? How did you manage to do that? How did you feed him knowing that he was about to send you to an excruciating death? And Jesus may be like, hey, man, I'm Jesus. I don't know. I don't know what his response will be. And maybe it'll be, hey, I, I knew what had to happen. I knew, I knew that, that this is what was foretold. I, I was kind of prepared. Maybe he was mentally prepared. I mean, he is both human, but yes, God. And so maybe he kind of knew, and he just was like preparing himself. Every day he'd wake up and be like, Judas is going to betray me. I'll be okay. I don't know. But like, how? how? How did you make that happen? Because I'm not letting anybody, I already said this, I feel like, but I'm not letting anybody dip their hand in my food and then betray me. That ain't happening. You dip your hand in my bowl and then you betray me, you're going to wear the food, right? <laughs> like it's coming at you with some velocity. But again, not Jesus. Jesus knew the betrayal of Judas and still filled his belly. And I find that to be heavenly. I find that to be gracious. I find that to be loving. And after all of this takes place, and after explaining that the betrayal was to come, Jesus took time to institute something new that the for, new for the disciples that we refer to today as the Lord's Supper. It says, Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body. It's verse 26. And in 27, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Now this was a moment of significant history in the Christian church. Representative of the redemptive work of the cross completed through the breaking of Jesus' body and the spilling of his blood. Jesus broke the bread and he shared the cup and the disciples took it as part of their own body it became theirs. It became theirs. Symbolic of how we take the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross as our own. You see, the moment Jesus died on the cross, he died for all of us. He died for all of us. And because of his love and because of his grace, we took that on as our own it became as if it was ours. And yet, we had to deal with nothing that he had to deal with on his way to the cross. We didn't have to be betrayed. We weren't denied. We weren't beaten and spit upon. The world that we sought to serve did not choose a murderer over us. No one washed their hands of saving our life. We weren't rejected and left to stand alone. We weren't pierced with the nails. We didn't have the crown of thorns shoved down onto our head, digging into our skull and causing blood to drip down our face. We didn't have our legs broken. We didn't have to watch as people cast lots over our clothing. We didn't have to be mocked. We didn't have to offer forgiveness for those who were responsible for our death with our last breath. And yet, it's as if we had. It's as if we had. Because Jesus did that for us. And I want you to be thinking about that here in a few moments when we take the Lord's Supper. I'm going to pray for all of us. We're going to worship as the children are brought over from the children's area. And parents, this is an opportunity for you to teach your children to instruct your children about why it is that we participate and take the Lord's Supper. Some of your children have already made their commitment to Christ and have made Him their personal Lord and Savior. And so they get to participate in this with you, some of you for the first time. And I think that's really cool. But for those of you whose children maybe are misunderstanding and they just want one of the crackers because everyone else is taking one and they want a little cup of juice because everybody else is taking one. You get to explain to them why not everybody gets to take one and why not everyone should take one. And I'll deliver some instruction and I'll talk about its importance and 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 we'll deliver that for your children as well and, and for all of us in here. And hopefully you'll be able to, to use that to spurn on a conversation about why we are doing what it is that we're doing, okay? Right now, this is a time for you to reflect, to pray, to, to meditate, really. And when I say meditate, I don't mean empty your mind. I mean fill it with the things of Jesus. And to really, truly think about everything that it is that he has done for you in your life. And as we take of this bread and we drink of this cup, we do so in remembrance of him. And we do so to honor him. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now, and Lord, I am just so thankful for this day. I am thankful that you are a king of grace, that you sacrificed yourself and your life that we might not have to, That you did so as a gift for all generations to come. That you loved us so much that you took our punishment. You died for our sins. And God, it's something that we struggle to comprehend. I know I still struggle to comprehend because I'm not sure I would do that for anybody else. And yet you did it surrounded by people who didn't understand, who didn't respect it, who didn't love you. And you did it anyways. And you did it with forgiveness on your lips. And you did it with life pouring out of your body. God, we are thankful And we are blessed today as we spend some time in prayer and reflection. Lord, I pray that you would help us release the things in this world that we have made bigger than what they should be. Help us to release these things that we're dealing with in our world right now that are too hard for us to bear on our own. Be with us. May your spirit spirit fill this place. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Stand with us. Let's worship for one song. Your kids will be coming over here in a minute, so make sure you kind of are on the lookout for them so they know where to go. And then after that takes place, we'll do the Lord's Supper.